Random Oddities, Late Night Movies with Rob Benenzak. This is a podcast about cinematic oddities where we discuss any media that is too bizarre, abnormal, or off-kilter for contemporary audiences. Occasionally these projects gel, most times they crash hard into the realm of obscurity. Join us as we delve into the cult classic Swamp. I'm Ben. And I consider you all my heroes. Uh, an interesting line from this movie, I have to say, but one I wanted to go with because uh, I, I do I consider you all my heroes, all my death racers, and you're one of my death racers, right, Ben? <laughs> sure. Who uh, who says that? Who delivers that line? That's from the warden when they're like Hennessy. Yeah, from Hennessy when okay. I I think it's like right before they're going into like the I, I'm maybe the third race, but it's some moment where she's addressing like the entire prison. And she's like, you know, Death Race is a national event, and we all love it, and, like, America loves it, so thank you for being here. I consider you all my heroes. Now go die. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's right before stage three. It has to When she addresses the prison like that. Yeah, yeah. Very, very strange scene. <laughs> yeah. So Death Race. We're talking talking death race yeah the uh the race of the dead or to the dead like how, the does, race, how does this go down <laughs> i i think what i it's the race to death it's uh you're trying to get old faster than everyone else right Ooh, okay yeah I, let's uh, let's do it what are we gonna or, do? like do a lot of standing in the sun something like that right <laughs> <laughs> right yeah exactly maybe it's we know where the grim reaper is but we have trouble getting to him and you just have to get there quickly the race to death Okay, yeah, yeah, I like that. <laughs> I'm not sure. Maybe if we watch the movie, it'll it'll uh, illuminate what Death Race is actually I, I think we need to watch all six movies in the Death Race franchise <laughs> to fully understand what Death Race is. <laughs> Do an in-depth psychological analysis of, of uh, the Death Races. Yes, yes. And so, now, you might be wondering, the, uh, the cinema audience and Ben, you know, I said there are six movies in the Death Race franchise. That's a lot. Astute listeners will also know that we've covered previously one of them, the original, Death Race 2000. And you might be wondering, well, oh, this kind of makes some sense. They're doing Death Race, covering Death Race, because Jason Statham's in it. Well, yes, you are correct if you think that. But also, we are going to cover some movies that are remakes of movies we've covered in the past. And we're going to kick off with Death Race because of Jason Statham, right? That Like we're trying to connect them together, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're doing a, a little bit of intertwining. Yes, and there is a part of me after watching this movie, I'm very glad that I finally did uh, to see Statham in this because of who the director is working with Statham. And I had, so basically what I want to say is I haven't seen this before. I've only seen the original, Death Race 2000, which of course, you know, I'll make some comparisons to as we go through. Because uh, I'm assuming Ben has not seen that movie from way back when. Um, but I'm pretty sure, Ben, when we covered Crank, we talked a little bit about Death Race and that you had seen it before. Is that right? Am I remembering yeah. correctly? Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, I saw Death Race in theaters back way back when. I, You know, if it was Jason Statham and it came out in theaters while I was in high school, I watched it. Let's see. When did Death Race actually come out? It was 2008. I think August. Okay, yeah. yeah. I was in high school. That, that, fucking, that fits. <laughs> I saw it in theaters. I I'm sure I watched it more than once, but I'm sure I haven't watched it in years. Okay. Now, so um, I expect the last time I saw this movie was was maybe as late as 2010, but it really could have been 2009. Like, sure, sure. So, what were uh, if you remember what were your thoughts coming out of the theater when you saw this movie? Were you like jacked up about it? <laughs> I th- I think my uh, my thoughts coming out were that it was. I, well, you know, I was I was a teenage 
white high school kid with aggression problems. So my, I was definitely like ready to do coke when I came out of this. <laughs> no, I, uh, I, I think that you know I, I probably came out thinking it was like a little over the top or a little crazy, but that all in all it was good fun and good and ridiculous fun. Let me put it that way. It certainly is ridiculous. Uh, I, I want to highlight there's a scene where the the woman navigator to Jason Statham is hanging out of the window, the passenger side window of the car, while the car's, of course, going a bajillion miles an hour and getting shot at by everything. And she's just mm-hmm. banging a Gatling gun with a wrench for a while. <laughs> like, that's um, just a little set piece in this movie. She's trying to unjam it or whatever. And I'm like, right. and I'm like this is ridiculous. <laughs> That's not the time that she goes to the sunroof, is it? No, I don't think so. And God, I remember when she's sticking out of the sunroof, I'm like, you should get back in the car. Like, they are still shooting. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, there there was a reason to do what you did. I don't even remember what it was, but but you should get back in the car. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, this whole, this whole movie is, you know, a bunch of nonsense, I would say. <laughs> no, this is a... Uh, you should wear your seatbelts to the movie, right? Definitely. This is a long PSA uh, about wearing your seatbelts. It's it's Death Race, the remake, 2008, directed and written by Paul W.S. Anderson, which I want to get into because, like, I, I have never seen this movie before. Um, I'm glad that you dug it, Ben, uh, when you saw it back in theaters, like you said, just, you know, jacked up, ready to get revenge on whoever framed you for murdering your wife when you were in high school. Um uh. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I was. <laughs> I was. Famously, had that happen to him. <laughs> I and we had to figure out who framed me, and it was a Russian. But, ah, damn Rus- Ruskies. <laughs> Ruskies. So now that you've seen it, and wa- like you said, watched it after many years, um, especially when you know, since we've gone through a lot of other Statham movies, I think this one is kind of forgotten in his in his um, uh, filmography. I think this movie's really forgotten in general. It's just kind of you know there as a as a title that might intrigue you now. Uh, but what do you think after watching it for this recording? Does it still hold up? Are you still ready to do Coke after watching it? <laughs> uh, you, you, this might surprise you. I, I am more positive on this movie than I expected to be. Okay. Okay. Uh, I, I actually, uh, coming out of it these days, I, I watch movies and a big part of my judgment is consistency in the plot and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the consistency or the like, the decision making of the characters, like if this, if their decisions don't make sense, like it'll kill a movie for me. This movie has only one significant thing where I'm like that decision doesn't make sense. Okay, but beyond that, it's like it's a decent action movie. They didn't go as over the top as they could have. They they were pretty grounded for what it is. I mean, let's let's not get it wrong. It's <laughs> it's cars driving around shooting each other. It it's twisted breaks. metal. Yes. <laughs> Twisted Metal the movie. Yeah. Oh, my God. That is such a good way to put it. Because I, <laughs> I did not write that in notes, but I wrote, like, video gamey, especially with the fucking, like, pressure plate power-ups that they introduce at a certain <laughs> yeah. point. And I'm like, oh, yeah. my God. Twisted Metal is a great way to think about it. Um, I'm surprised nobody hit, like, a boost or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the NOS wasn't locked behind uh, exactly. a, a portal thing as well um but no so like i i definitely i i watched it my wife actually watched it too and she, and she we walked away and we're like that movie was not nearly as bad like it was better than it had any right to be like it was not nearly as bad as it should have been based on what it is and overall like i actually like it it's it's a decent movie okay okay i i it's an interesting way i kind of figured this would happen but you know you definitely talking about these characters and the decisions they make i definitely want to hear which one you said you know made no sense but I I feel like I couldn't even latch on to 
the decisions of the characters in this movie because I got so hung up on the decisions of the filmmaker. <laughs> and I think this is an incredibly, I don't want to say poorly put together because it is like Paul W. Anderson can put together a movie, but I find, I found this whole movie very flashy, but like with no substance. Uh, very much like eating a bag of potato chips or something, you know? Like, it felt good in the moment, but as I thought about it more, I'd be like, oh, why'd I eat so many? (laughs) (laughs) That's that's pretty fair. Uh, I I would say that that's not too different from my experience with it. And I I should maybe clarify that as as a potato chip movie, uh, I didn't feel like the potato chips didn't make sense. Okay, I just just felt like they were potato chips. Um, It wasn't like... I don't know what's a flavor you don't want potato chips like anchovy potato chips or something. You sure. know, it was like it was like good old regular potato chips mixed with a little bit of bullets. With the, <laughs> yeah, exactly. With the way this movie is kind of like put together, I think from a just like a you know not the, really the dialogue or the script, more of just like the settings and stuff. I, I'll, I'll explain what I mean. This movie to me is like it's a it's a bag of potato chips and you're eating the potato chips and then just for for seemingly no reason you'll just keep reaching into the same bag and start pulling out pretzels and you'll be like, Oh, this is weird. I thought I was eating potato chips and then it'll go back to potato chips. So the, the thing I I mean by that is I think this movie is just like conveniently forgets that they're in prison when it needs to. Like there's so (laughs) much stuff that happens in this movie and I'm like, how, how are they doing this? How are they walking around like free in a garage with a bunch of like shop tools like, is this a prison or not? And the movie very much just says, okay, if we need them to be in a prison, we're going to have – make sure those guards are present or you're going to see the impacts of it, them being in prison. But other times it's just like their crews are roaming around talking to each other and planning shit. And I'm like, where are the guards? <laughs> I, I see where you're coming from, but I disagree a little bit because I, I do think that there is a guard presence in the garage, especially when um, Jason as Frankenstein tries to – to walk away from his car and go talk to Pinchenko. Sure. That's yeah. That's one example. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I definitely get that. Like there are other times where it seems like the guards are, aren't doing enough to keep them in their stations or whatever. So I don't know. I, I chalked that up to them having like more free roam in that area. And I just kind of imagined it as being like a secluded cutoff part of the prison where even if they did figure something out or, or use their tools to, to the detriment of the prison that they would be like so far removed from everything else that it wouldn't matter. And also, I I assumed that the guards were like on the outer perimeter because there was there was a lot of I think there were some establishing shots of like guard towers in around the outer perimeter of like the courtyards and shit. I just kind of imagined it was a similar setup. Okay, okay, I I know where you're coming from. Uh, It it just came across very much to me as like they were doing stuff, and I'm like, what? This is made so the plot can continue, you know. That and I very much was like. They just seem to be like the prison is the setting, you know, I didn't feel the full impact of the prison. No, I mean, uh, really, aside from the introduction scene, we don't get a typical prison experience. We get the experience of them in a garage. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, The only way the prison is relevant is that that's what pushes them to do the race. Yes. Yes. Um, And I and I think that that for the for what this movie is and is trying to be, I, I feel like that's fine. But I don't know, maybe. Maybe I'm being too generous. Sure. No, no, I, I understand. Uh, I, another thing uh, on that level of, you know, I couldn't get past in some of the filmmaking. 
this is a lot of action. This is a lot of car chases and cars shooting at each other and like shit like that. You know, there's very minimal talking scenes. This is a a drop very much an action. Yeah, drop the tombstone action scenes. There's a whole bunch of them. These action scenes I find just to get so mindless after a while. Like, oh. not really so much as I, I don't really like. It's I'm not saying they're like spatially, you know. Uh, or, or like, or like, difficultly spatially oriented, where I don't know where anything is. I'm like, I get that they're driving. There's some track that they're following, you know. Mm-hmm. But there's just so much of just them, you know, chasing each other, shooting at each other. Cut to them in their car, like Tyrese making a face or something like that, or cursing. Yeah, that's uh, Tyrese Gibson, right? Is yeah, that his name? yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think he was in Too Fast, Too Furious. Yes, I believe so. Uh, but I, I like to pretend that his last name is Gibbons. <laughs> okay, uh, okay. Any that any way reason. <laughs> Because it's like a little bird, you know? He just seems so angry, and then being like, he's actually just a little bird. Like, I, I don't know. Right on, you know, right on. It's, it's one of the things about my brain. <laughs> okay, so... That I see doctors for. Oh, no, gibbons are monkeys. My bad. Ty- Tyrese Little Bird? Is that what we're calling him? <laughs> sure. Okay. <laughs> so, I, I find them, they just get so, like, mundane to me, and I'm just, like, so like, turned off about him, I realized kind of two-thirds of the way through the movie, I felt that the thing I was missing was that this whole time we're just hearing, like, characters are telling us, and text on the screen is telling us, that the death race is, like, this massive broadcasted event. Like, 70 million people are watching it and stuff like that. Right. But we only hear about that. We never see it. And I think this movie's missing, like, cuts to, like... So, like, like, people in bars yeah. watching the race. Like, throughout the whole movie, I, once mm-hmm. I realized this, I was kind of like, oh, these action scenes should be intercut with, like, some... Don't It doesn't need to be, like, a subplot or a B-plot. It could just be, like, for goofy one-off jokes. Just establishing like, shots. Establishing yeah. shots. And then you could, like, you know, like you said, like, people at a bar. Or, you know, like, something happens and someone cuts someone off in race one. And it, like, cuts to people cheering. But then once you've established that it's, like, you're showing how big this event is, you can start doing, like, these weird little sight gags. Like, you know, maybe in the second race or third race, you cut to, like, a bunch of 90-year-old people in, an, like, a retirement home. Like, all gathered watching Death Race. <laughs> sure. You, like, have, like... Like, you see, like, you know, nurses in, like, a, like a, like, or, like, a woman giving birth and, like, the husband's watching Death Race while she's giving birth in, like, the hospital room. Like, I'm like, that's what this movie's missing. It needs something to show that this is on this grand scale, that all these people are watching it and maybe people are betting on it. But instead, it's all this insular just car nonsense. (laughs) Did did they, do you remember if they did that in Hunger Games? Like, did they, um, did they show shots of people, like, being really invested in this? I, I, I remember they did. I don't remember for Hunger. I'm, I'm not saying Hunger, Hunger Games is like the template to follow or anything either. I'm, it's just it's just another movie that has this as like a major, um, yeah, a major yeah. plot mm-hmm. point. Um, I feel like they I, did. I'm also I feel like there of, were like cutbacks to the whatever village Jennifer Lawrence is from, like watching it or something like that. I feel like that happens. Yeah. Uh, I'm also remembering a movie called I think The Condemned, which where a bunch of prisoners like get put on an island and have to fight their way off so it's like it's like hunger games minus the big stakes and it's just like small stakes hunger games i guess yeah Uh, and i'm thinking that they maybe didn't do that or didn't do it much in that in that movie either and the whole point of that movie was like there are people that are watching this and actually no come to think of it uh escape room that movie its entire the entire reason that those people are in the escape room is for viewing content and they also don't do these these shots 
Um, so it's it's maybe kind of a common thing to miss, even though I agree that it would probably could have ser- served the movie well. Yeah, I, I think it would have, you know, absolutely added a lot to what we were seeing. Like, there's some moment where what uh, Jason Statham, like, hits the NOS or takes a shortcut or some shit and gets back in first place. And I think it, like, it cuts to the uh, Hennessy, the warden, and, like, the, and uh, Jason Clark is the guard and whoever else is in that control tower. And they're like, you know, like, oh my god, like, that, what a move that was. And I'm like, show people cheering for it. Like, give me some depth to this. Like, I'm just watching fools like being made to race and shoot at each other in prison. Like I, I needed that. De- I wanted that depth from, uh, from sure. the audience. Yeah. I mean, that, w- that would have added something to the movie, a-, a level of, uh, maybe what integrity or, or it would have shown us the seriousness of the situation a little bit more, but it, we also have to have to look at this as like, we're in, we're in a time period where presumably like a lot of people are poor and getting laid off work and that's a big problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're still paying for pay-per-view death races. <laughs> like I, yes, <laughs> I, I expect it's like the only people that are watching this are probably the people that still have money, and they could have done something with that also. A- absolutely, where, yeah. And where it's like I don't know. At the end, we we could get like a purge mashup where it's like at the end of the race, there's <laughs> fucking poor people trying to break into these people's houses and shit. I don't, you know. uh, it rings of idiocracy to me that the way you put it, when you said that, you know, these people are poor, but they're still spending $250 to watch death race, you know, uh, and with how yeah, popular yeah. it is, it definitely makes me think of like, you know, I guess that also goes in um, with the, when I thought they were going to start doing what I was hoping they were doing with like recognizing the broadcasting of this death race is the um the commercial for it where it says like one hundred for one night three uh, two fifty for all three nights or something like that yeah I yeah. like that seems like a commercial straight out of, it could be a commercial straight out of idiocracy and I was hoping they go further with that but we only get to see that what like one two two or three times or something. And it's it's never as good as the first time. The first time, it's like, you know, oh, you have to pay for this. This is a huge event. And I'm like, okay, this is interesting. <laughs> yeah, to be honest, I don't even know if I remember it happening more than once. I, I definitely remember the first time okay. they talked about it where they're um, they're telling us, you know, the, the price is, like you said, 100 for one night. Or 250 for, yeah, for all for, three. That's a deal. <laughs> but th- that also, like, I find it so strange that all three nights happen back to back. It's like you... They say at one point like they have fourteen hours to get the car in like con- ready for the next stage of the race. Yeah, like that is not enough time. No, definitely to, to, un- to undo the damage. <laughs> and I, I think they do have a like a new tombstone, so it's not like they have to like replace that. Sure. I, I, or I yeah. think they're just swapping it, you know. But uh, anyway, it's still got to be tough to get on. That thing's heavy. <laughs> uh, presumably, yeah. Well, they they had. I mean, they had all kinds of equipment. They had lifts and shit. So. The the thing that we should remember when we're talking about the cost of Death Race, of, of watching Death Race, and you mentioning that, you know, what we see of the outside world is uh, that people are very poor and getting, you know, laid off from their job. Uh, we do yeah, hear, I think he gets $300. That's what uh, I was about to say. You yeah. do hear that at the start, Statham gets $300 for 120 hours worth of work. And, yeah, well, and, and, I remember when I was younger, like, I just, he's like, I worked 120 hours last, over the last three weeks. I remember when I was young, I was like, that's an amount of time. And now I'm like, that's regular full-time employment. <laughs> that is, that is uh, like, what? That's like nearly three-quarters of a week, I think, right? Isn't a week like 160-something hours? <laughs> Probably. But I, it's just the normal 40-hour work week in America. Sure, sure. But I, but still, the thing we have to remember is that for 120 hours worth of work, he gets $300. Right, that's, one whole, that's one whole death race subscription and $50 right. for fun. 
you know, <laughs> like well, assuming assuming that taxes don't eat up the rest of that, surely it's two eighty with tax. Sure, sure. So I think in in terms of using the metric of can the working man afford a full three death rate three race death race subscription, then the economy here is doing pretty okay because Jason Statham could definitely watch death race. You work one hundred twenty hours, you watch a death race. That's and repeat. That's what life is. Yeah, surely, and you, know, you don't need to eat or anything. Um, That's why you got that thirty dollars. Like, <laughs> his wife is like, "We're gonna make, we're gonna make it last, or we'll make ends meet, or whatever the fuck she says." And and I'm just like, "Fucking how? Like three hundred dollars <laughs> is is nothing. It do, it doesn't that that part definitely doesn't make sense. <laughs> the external setting, uh, and like again, unless it's just the rich people watching." But that didn't, that didn't interfere with my like ability to enjoy the movie too okay, much. Okay, so. okay. So I, I guess when we're talking about these scenes, um, I wanted to ask you, uh, do you know which version of this movie you watched? Because apparently there is a, a, a theatrical and an unrated. Do you know which one you watched? Uh, I imagine I watched the theatrical version. Uh, I rented it on something. Hoopla. Probably Amazon. Ho- okay, Hoopla Prime. There we go. Um, yep. <laughs> do you know how long the version you watched was? Hour 40? Something like that? Okay, yeah, I think that's the theatrical. I think that's the theatrical. Okay, so Hoopla has the theatrical. (laughs) Um, I watched the unrated, which is about an hour 51. Um, I would imagine I was trying to look up what the differences are, and there I couldn't really find a great description in like the little little looking I did. I'm sure it's out there, um, but I would imagine just from watching this movie and this being the only time I watched it, there is some like really gratuitous like gore shots in uh, the version I watched. I would imagine that uh, that is not in the theatrical. Like, I'm sure they still the, all the same deaths occur, but the unrated version probably showed a lot more. Did you have a scene in your movie where Tyrese is reciting like scripture and cutting his face with a razor blade? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I was thinking for some reason that might be in the unrated only, but like I said, I I, I don't know. I mean, it's not like particularly long, but the it is 40 minutes in the in the unrated version. <laughs> <laughs> the. Uh... The scene that I, I was thinking about, which, you know, in terms of gruesome deaths, I think the most gruesome death that we see on screen is um, when that dude gets his head cut off by Tyrese's truck. Um, yeah, yeah. The the grim. You, you can you can do A, you can do B, you can even do X, <laughs> but you can't fucking kill me. That, that guy's saying as he gets. Yes, I, I like that line because, like he, like you said, he says those things, and then at the end, he says, "And you can't play dance," and then he gets killed. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm glad that we uh, we took it there. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but you can't play dance. Sorry, I'll try again. No, you won't. I don't want you trying again because you're not really trying. All you're doing is wasting my time, and I don't like people to waste my time. You got it. But I, uh... No buts. You asked for my advice, my help, and then you didn't take it. You're a good dancer. A real good dancer. But you're not great yet. You got something blocking you from getting there. The way you're dancing right now, you wouldn't even place in the contest. I don't know what it is that's bothering you, but you need to get past it and stop wasting my time, okay? You can play baseball. You can play tennis. You can even play football. You can't play dance. It's a shame, Ken. It's really a shame. Because you're a good dancer. You could be great. Really great. A real contender. But now I'm through. I'm finished. 
when the when the death head trap is activated and like the spikes come out of the ground and the guy like goes oh, through it, there yeah. is a shot of like his head, like him coughing up blood and stuff like that. Oh, and then the car gets like pulled underground like that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. This... Yeah. It might be some frames and stuff that are in the unrated one. Like I said, I'm pretty sure all the same deaths occur, but I couldn't. Like yeah. I said, I didn't look up what the other differences are. I can't imagine it's anything too crazy. Probably, if we found the list of differences, it would be like, you know, this version has ten more minutes of cars shooting at each other. <laughs> <laughs> they used 450 more rounds of ammo per second. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and. and differences i i couldn't tell you i didn't even know there was an unrated version right on yeah i i I found that one and i was like okay let's go for it um about it (laughs) so i guess then it also comes down to like i mentioned earlier i'm pretty sure you haven't seen it but have you seen the original death race 2000 no i haven't okay okay it's a negative for me ghost rider so we covered that one way back when because it is a paul bartell movie uh, when we covered a bunch of Paul Bartel movies. Um, it's a really more of a Roger Corman movie, which I know we discussed in that episode. Roger Corman's also a producer on this one, so I'm sure he still owns rights to this franchise to some extent. For uh, anyone that's confused, when he says we, he does not mean me. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't watch it, but we covered it. I mean uh, I mean you specifically, Ben. You were there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We edited you in in post saying <laughs> saying um and and like yawning. I put that in the background. <laughs> nice. Um, the the original movie is fairly interesting. It's not like fully fleshed out, but there is an interesting idea there. The differences between them is there's no um, prison thing in the uh, in the original movie. It's oh. a it's a cross country like across America like from coast to coast race. Technically, because the the contestants are trying to get to you know from a point A to point B across the country, but mm-hmm. as they do this cross country drive, they have to uh, kill people with their vehicles to get points. And so oh. there's a, there's a scene where it's like, oh, if you kill somebody in like this age range, you get this many points, and like senior citizens are double points, and oh babies God. are double points, and like you you tell me this joke that I've been doing since I was in middle school is actually from a movie, <laughs> probably that existed before my before I was alive. Yes, I think the original Death oh Race was God. the seventies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I I've been like you know fifteen points if you hit the the Jaywalker. Sure. Like that. <laughs> oh man, wow! I thought I was original. Nothing new under the sun, uh, Rob. So, Nothing new <laughs> under the sun. I've destroyed Ben's entire comedic career. He was like, That's right. Yeah, that my was pretty much it. All my confidence came from me thinking of that joke. <laughs> I, I mean, that was the only joke that I, that I know of, made up. So Your stand-up, you had 15 minutes to do at open mic night, and you did that joke five times. <laughs> <laughs> That's Three minutes per, that's a lot. That You know what that makes me think of? Do you remember we saw some concert in, in Columbus, and there was some opening band. I'm never going to remember who it was. But they they played a song, and then they were like, we're going to keep playing this song until it's your new favorite song. And they played it like three or four times in a row. Do you remember that? No, I don't. I, I we were. It was one of those places in Columbus where we were up at like the um, not the floor. We were like up at the um, the balcony or whatever. I remember. Standing was it when up we there. saw the Kooks? It no, because I think that was the one you were sick for. Yeah, I think this was one that we like. Nick was there or something like that for some reason. I re- don't. The only ones I went to with Nick, we were standing down in the pit. Okay, okay. So I might not have been there. 
But I, I feel yeah, like you were though, because I feel like used to thinking you were like you. I remember. I feel like I remember you saying something like, "I appreciate their dedication" or something like that. <laughs> oh, because uh, they were just like they you. were just like, "Now we have to. You have to cheer harder, and you have to know the words." And the, like the singer was like, "We're gonna play it again." And it was an interesting take on an opening act for sure. <laughs> That's that is interesting. Have I discussed with you? Did we see? We saw vinyl theater in Columbus once, right? Yes, definitely. I have right. a signed CD from that time. Did we see? Oh God, off! I'm gonna look it up and I'm gonna ask you later about another band, Joywave. Did we see Joywave? I don't think Columbus? so because I don't think I've okay. ever seen Joywave. Okay, that was. I I think maybe I mixed their performances in my mind. Okay. Uh, or rather, I I was thinking that that vinyl theater was Joywave, and later I was like, I think I've seen this band, and I wasn't sure. <laughs> um. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. I think it's there, Ben. Don't worry. Don't don't shortchange oh. yourself. It's there. Okay. All right. <laughs> so so this this original there's the points and stuff like you said, and we went down that tangent. So Ben, Ben, you have, you stole a joke from a movie that existed. That I had so never seen. Uh, you're canceled. Okay. It doesn't matter if you see it or not. You stole it. You're canceled. Okay. You, you, you're a joke stealer. You're done. <laughs> you're out of here. You're done. You're, you're done, fired. So. The then the gist like the the propulsion of the plot of the original is like while this race is going on, um, there is this Frankenstein character who is like the one is, is like the favorite, very similar you know to in in this movie. But it Frankenstein is played by David Carradine, who has this plan that he wants to win this race so that at the ending ceremony he's gonna like assassinate the president type of thing because um, oh. they're not gonna see it coming from him and end the death race. There's like a whole subplot about like this like you know air quotes terrorist group. They're really like the good guys in the movie, but you know they aren't. They are terrorists. They're like infiltrating or like uh, sabotaging the death race, trying to like kill the participants, like the actual racers and stuff oh. like that. Right. Since like killing people gets points. The the interesting thing in the movie is it brings up this notion of like there's one night where it's like because they like they all stop like all the racers have dinner together for that's like the talking scenes and they're not in the cars and stuff like that they all like oh, stop in like okay. the same hotel and stuff like that basically because it's cross country so it takes days but there's this notion that like fa- Frankenstein's fan club like this young girl like confronts him like in the hallway of one of these hotels and she's like I'm I'm like one of your biggest fans like we we love watching you in death race and like I'm part of this group that is a like Frankenstein fanatics and we've decided that we wanted to like sacrifice somebody for you to kill with your car so you can get more points and I'm that sacrifice and I wanted to oh meet you God. before like you did it and and you know David Carradine and Frankenstein is like don't kill yourself over this like we're trying to end this like you know and there is this interesting idea of like the showing the audience of the death race and like the cultural you know inebriation that it's caused like people have like you know bought into it stockholm syndrome almost that death race is good and like this death is a good thing you know versus like trying to take it down and like how bad it is it, it there are some interesting ideas and that's what i think this this movie the remake 2008 with statham could have gone for if they included some of those you know audience moments and that that would have been a channel to give some you know maybe satirical elements or at least you know some more engaging elements than just constant action yeah um so i i think we need to acknowledge that you're tainted by the original sure uh, sure but but I'm no impure. it would have it would have calling been, me impure <laughs> it, it would have been like a maybe a more like socially prudent movie if that had if that had happened where yeah. they could have actually been making comments about society or or like the degradation thereof or something uh but this very clearly was intended to be uh action time fun movie oh yeah yep uh so that's 
given that that's not what they were going for, I I'm not surprised, I guess, to see the absence of that. Yeah, yeah. And I I also when I sat down to watch this and it it began and uh you know, there's the opening credits and it starts to, you know, list that Paul W.S. Anderson is a producer, and then I see that it's, you know, directed by Paul W.S. Anderson. I was like, okay, I know what I'm getting into. Everything I've said so far of, like, this audience, showing off the audience and how big this broadcasted event is, I definitely would have liked that. I think that would have made this an objectively better movie. Mm -hmm. But I am with you where it's like, Ben, this is not what they were going for. You are absolutely right. They are going for an action uh, what'd you say? Good time, fun type of movie, and that is, right. and that's where it comes back to what I was saying about it's it's flashy, but it's not substantive. Like there, like this is is very of a, a vacuous, like shallow movie. And I would say that's what Paul W. Sanderson does a lot of. He's known for things like all the Resident Evil movies, Event Horizon. Did you ever see that movie about like cosmic horror in space, like about a black hole and stuff like that? Oh no, is it any good? It's it's a Paul W.S. Anderson movie, so it's not great, but there's some interesting okay. stuff in it. Um, uh, he, his first movie, actually, uh, maybe not first, but one of his earlier movies is 1995's Mortal Kombat. And oh, that boy. is definitely a, you know, just action, like, good time movie. Of trying to be an action, good time, fun movie, for sure. Yeah. I've, I've actually rewatched some of those early Mortal Kombat movies kind of <laughs> recently. Uh, they're not great. No, no, that's that's the same guy. Have you seen the Resident Evil movies? I've only ever seen the first one, and I think there's like six or something now. I I think I I did watch that one, uh, the the first one. I, I vaguely remember it being like all jump scares and really no substance. Okay, okay, yeah, is, I, is I remember that... it being a lot of action as well. Okay, Fli- like Mila jo- Jovovich flipping over and shooting things, you know, shooting zombie dogs or whatever. I remember that from like the trailers and stuff. <laughs> Um, And then most recently, Paul W.S. Anderson did Monster Hunter, which I haven't seen. Um, That was from, what, I think maybe two years ago or something. He he definitely makes – he's a prolific director. He makes these movies that are just like, you know, action kind of – just I I, I want to kind of say schlock, you know, and I think he's definitely more towards the giving you these flashy action based things or there's some gimmick, you know, like Resident Evil has the zombies um, event horizon. Mortal Kombat has the fighters with their powers. Uh, event Horizon mm-hmm. has like space and black holes. And there's like a Hellraiser kind of twist to that movie as well. It, it's it's very much just, you know, showing things off. And I think it goes back to what I was saying also about how they just, like, conveniently aren't in prison for some scenes. I think his movies mm-hmm. definitely take on a lot of that. Like, if the, if the movie needs to accomplish something, if, like, his movie needs to have something happen, he's going to make sure it damn well happens, you know? Okay. Like, setting or context be damned. Um, the, another example from Death Race that I think of is it's near the very end of the movie when uh, Tyrese's navigator, I think the third one we see, gets shot. Like, in their big final breakout oh, part of the race. yeah, and then Tyrese is, like, checking himself for bullet holes. Yeah, Tyrese is checking himself for bullets, but, like, this, this, this other navigator gets, like, shot a good amount of times. Where do those bullets come from? How did those bullets shoot him through the chest like that? Uh, oh, definitely that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, because yeah. the, the <laughs> only people with guns nearby are up in the towers. And we've also been watching Tyrese's vehicle get shot to shit from every angle, and there's bulletproof glass, bulletproof like armor and stuff like that. But yet yeah. somehow a wide spread of bullets gets to find a weak point or weak points in this car um, to go they, through the navigator's chest. They do specify as, or, or say at some point that the guards have more gunpower or a bit like bigger gunpower than they do. So it, 
it arguably could be that they have something like armor piercing rounds that could pierce the armor of these of these cars. Uh, I mean, I'm giving the movie uh, <laughs> may, maybe a little more benefit of the doubt than than you would or should. But it, they they do specifically mention that the guards have access to like more firepower than they do. I think you are outing yourself as the world's biggest Paul W.S. Anderson defender. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if that's true, I feel bad for the guy. Um, I, uh, I, but I, I use that as an example of I watched that scene and I was like, where the fuck did those bullets come from? It doesn't matter. That navigator needed to get shot. We needed to have that, you know, squib effect of the blood spurting out and we need Tyrese to check himself for bullets. We just need it to happen, goddammit. Well, we need the whole, the whole Pulp Fiction thing where there's like, look behind him and there's bullet holes in the walls. Like that, that was essentially what Tyrese did. He's just like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like that was divine intervention. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think, you know, it, it's all... Paul W. Sanderson is trying to, like, show off this stuff. And there's nothing really wrong with that. And this is this is where I also... While I didn't particularly like this movie for a lot of the things I've been talking about, and more I'll, I'll explain, you can't... I, I'm definitely kind of taking what you said when we talked about Revolver, where you, you had your, your issues with Revolver, but at the same time you were like, but this movie's not bad. Like, this this movie, Death Race, is also very much very well put together. Like, it is a flashy movie, but, like, it's, it's f- like, the action is filmed pretty well. I mean, it's shaky and stuff, but you're in cars and things like that. Um, right. You know, like, there's certain action sequences that are real fun, like Jason Statham driving backwards to shoot with the machine gun. You know, that, that's, that's fun. That's fine. Yeah. But, like, there's a lot of stuff of, like, Jason Statham when he goes to prison, like, uh, the whole, like, uh, workers fighting the riot police in the very, like, first five minutes of the movie. Oh, yeah. A lot of, like, the establishing shots of, like, oh, before race day or, like, you know, nighttime shots and stuff. It is a very well-directed movie in the sense that it's flashy, you know? I think it's 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 vacuous. I don't think it's... Paul W.S. Anderson has some great theme he's going for with this movie, but at least he's showing it off in a cool way. I can't deny well, that. I mean, just the entire, like, prison industrial complex, like, this movie does say that all prisons have become for-profit prisons, and essentially that, that the um, capitalist system is broken down. Yes. So... Whether or not you want to say that he's like has a grandiose theme, like he does at least he did at least put this in a setting where you could discuss some grandiose okay, themes. Okay, okay. That's that's fair. Um, yeah. He and, and like by not by not addressing them, he's he's normalizing them, which again might be giving him too much credit, but it's like he's he's normalizing a very unnormal situation and that in itself says something. That's fair. That's a good point. Yeah, I, I definitely think you know. Since of course you're the head of the Paul W. S. Anderson fan club, as we're as we're yes, realizing yeah. in this episode. Yeah, uh, I actually created the Facebook group. I, <laughs> uh, I definitely think that Paul W. S. Anderson is more of like, oh, here's this idea. Where do we put it? Uh, I don't know. Dystopia, future, prison, capitalism, bad. You know, like almost like put together like a Family Guy joke type of thing. Uh, well, and and that very well might be the case. He might have ad-libbed the uh, the setting. I, I couldn't yeah, tell you. Yeah, we don't know. We don't know. That, ben is still waiting to get him for an interview for the fan club, so That's right. <laughs> you can yeah. ask him that. Uh, I do want to – speaking of that, I maybe maybe this sheds some light on, what we're, on that idea of how he picked this. Um, apparently, from what I've read, early drafts of this script – uh, some of the some of them were before he came on. Uh, some of them were after. Um, but earlier drafts involved much in the same vein as the original that I described, but not a like across America race, but an around the world race. 
Mm. But instead of just like, you know, cars with machine guns and rockets, which are basically in, you know, both movies, there's no real, you know, high tech stuff. This would be like future technology. Like they mentioned, you know, like, you know, invisible cars and shit like that in, in some of the things I read. That seemingly got tossed for this prison idea. And, you know, the um, okay. Jason Statham has to race from what I could find uh, budgetary concerns. Apparently doing all this fancy stuff in around the world race uh, they didn't have the money for. So they put it in this grimy prison. Prison where all the cars are, you know, muted in color and probably save them a good bit of money. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, like in terms of this being a remake, it sounds like, you know, they wanted to remake it futuristically. Yeah. Uh, but then they were just like fucked by the budget. Yeah. At least in that sense, like when you look at it, you're not just like, well, they were completely not true to the source material. I don't know why they would ever call this a remake uh, because that does that is what comes to mind when you mention what the first movie actually is. Yeah, yeah. It, it definitely is more of a um, reimagining, you know, that type of thing. Right, a, a, right. A, a modernization. Well, and, that, and I guess in part that's why I, I bring up the fact that it, there could be some politics or, or something deeper there. It's like for this to be a reimagining of the original idea, but the reimagining is that it takes place in this like dystopian capitalist world. Mm-hmm. It's like that, that could have been trying to say something. Yeah, uh, and yeah. it could have been trying to say something and knowing that th- this audience wasn't the audience for the message, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So uh, the dystopian okay. capitalist world of the far off year 2012. <laughs> oh, my God. Is that when it takes place? Yeah. Yeah. In the uh, in the opening text, it says like 2012. The economy has collapsed. <laughs> oh, so they're so they're going four years out Four, from... a whole four. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I, I I mean I would have expected at least like twenty fifty. Yeah, or the, so the original had you know twenty plus years, and then the sequel to the original is Death Race twenty fifty, which I think came out uh, in like the nineties or something. So that had fifty plus years. Paul W S Anderson's like I don't know what's the future four years from now. I don't even know what I'm going to do tomorrow. You know, <laughs> that's a good point. I also don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow. <laughs> that's that's your that's your fast facts about uh paul w s anderson on the website the the blog spot you made you know he, yeah. he does he doesn't know what he's doing tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know i know parts of it but i don't know the whole thing that would be an interesting thing to put on a resume to see if people are actually reading your resume <laughs> like, in like in like like a, a a small bulleted list of like skills or proficiencies be like like lack of knowledge on tomorrow's activities or something like that <laughs> so, i mean like where do you see yourself in five years i don't even know where i see myself tomorrow <laughs> um, oh that's, right on <laughs> that's great i I want to start interviewing for jobs again just so I can do that with somebody. <laughs> I think you can just interview for jobs anytime you want, sure. right? <laughs> sure, I can. Yeah, as long I mean, they have to they have to agree to see me, but yeah. Could you imagine the company you're working <laughs> for and they find out that well, you're currently working for like somebody's working for a company and they find out that the employees going to other job interviews and they might be like, oh, is he infringing on like the non-compete clause or something or whatever contracts he signed? And you have to explain to your company to be like, I'm just doing it to like troll people who read resumes. <laughs> I'm not actually looking for a job. <laughs> They'd yeah, be like, they'd be they'd be like that's an interesting use of your time, and I don't know <laughs> if we can do anything about that. <laughs> I, I'm sure my boss would uh, would think it was funny. He he might ask me to stop. I don't know, but he he might he might just think it was funny. Right. I don't know. I don't know. That's right. that's a weird thing to do. <laughs> so I I think um, there's a few more filmmaking things I'm sure we'll get into, but I think this movie has the uh, it has is definitely a Paul W S Anderson movie. It doesn't do any interesting 
anything of the interesting things I wish it did. Um, but now I am interested in what you have to say, Ben, about this decision-making of the characters. Because like I said, I, I really want to hear what you have to say because I couldn't even latch on to this. I, I wasn't even able to analyze this on that story level because I was so baffled by some of the um, the filmmaking stuff. Uh, but maybe, I don't know, uh, what like gave you this notion of that the decision-making was good? And there was one you said, a moment you said that you didn't like or something. But uh, please expand on this because... This story just kind of glazed me over. Oh, like a big old donut. There we go. I almost forgot that one. Well, I, I guess maybe to be more accurate, I should say that there that the only glaring hole I found was one. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, okay. There's not. I wouldn't say that there's like a ton of decision making that is made in the in the film. But the the thing that really didn't make sense is in stage two when they released the death diesel. Oh yeah, yeah. Whenever they get to down to two racers. There's no reason for the Death Diesel to continue to try to kill them. But it's the boss, Ben. That's the boss level. Yeah, but it's in stage two. It's the sub-boss level. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just saying, without two compo- uh, two uh, racers for stage three, I feel like they're going to lose some viewership. <laughs> I, I don't know. Don't you think Hennessy's goal was to use the Death Diesel to kill the both remaining racers, and then the third race would just be watching the Death Diesel do the race? <laughs> Like it Maybe. would go on, and then people would be like, "Death, Diesel, Death, Diesel." Well, and that, and I, I did, I did postulate is like maybe if it got down to one, they would stop, and then the third round would be like, "Can they survive?" Oh. And it would just be like the Death Diesel and yeah. the other things trying to take them out constantly. Exactly. Um, but like that was that was really the only thing where I was like, this from Hennessy's perspective, this makes no sense. Yeah, I agree, and I, I also very much saw it as a video game thing when that when that giant, you know, huge fucking turreted tanks, flamethrowing, all that shit, uh, you know, badass thing comes out. I'm like, okay, we're going through the motions, you know. They have to fight this sub-boss type of thing. Uh, it, mm. it's, it's just very much like, oh, man. But another moment, just to bring it back to that, wouldn't have been so cool, like, the Death Diesel comes out, cut to some random location, I don't know, like, maybe, like, six-year-olds in, like, preschool or something, and they're all cheering for the Death Diesel because their teacher's letting them watch Death Race or something, you know? That, I mean, that would have been interesting to see <laughs> six-year-olds cheering for the Death Diesel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> One of the kids has an action figure of the Death Diesel. That'd be great. <laughs> uh, but aside from that, I, I mainly meant, like, you know, the the thing in scary movies where you're watching, and it's like, that character, it doesn't make any sense for them to go back in this situation or yeah. whatever. Like, there wasn't a ton of that. So, I guess what I meant is that the, mo- the movie didn't, like, make me uncomfortable with its bad decisions. Gotcha. It was just the one time I was like, that's weird. Yeah, yeah. Like, that doesn't make sense. And then, you know, so it's like, it becomes clear that they framed him to put him in the prison. One thing that's a little unclear about that is, like, the six months between when he got framed and when he gets to that prison, like... Why didn't they just get him straight there? Yes, yes. This this is this is one of the questions I had for you, Ben. Um, so is it? Con- I, I think I, I'm correct in saying the movie confirms that Statham was framed by Hennessy so he could race for her. Right? The movie very much is believe making us believe that. Right? Uh, I I believe yeah that that's that's the case. But what is? Uh, how is that really confirmed to us as the viewer? Because I was I was very much like oh this could be a like is it true or is it not true that it was all like this is why he's in this prison and framed his wife uh framed for his wife's murder well the and only then they way just kind of like say i'm like oh i guess i am supposed to believe that i was confused <laughs> uh so the, the only way that it's like quote unquote confirmed it's not ever actually like explicitly confirmed but he he remembers that the the person who framed him had the like gps bracelet on yeah yeah and that the people 
that Hennessy let out of the prison for whatever reason. Oh, yeah, the work uh, to, release to do, people. Yeah. yeah, the work release. That they also had those GPS signals on. And then I think at some point Panchenko actually says... Like, I think he actually confirms. He, yeah, and I think he, when he Statham's, says it was Hennessy. Yeah, when Statham's choking him out, he says it's Hennessy, yeah. and Statham's like, I know. Yeah. And then also, Pachenko does that uh, that finger gun thing that right. the killer did to him that night, which is very much, like, you know, contrived from a story point. But I, I always love that where it's like, this person did a very similar hand gesture to this other guy. It has <laughs> to be him, you know? I love that, like, trope in movies, you know? Sure. Well, there is something kind of fair to that. Not all that many people make the same gestures all the time, you know? It's like when when some I'm sure you've known people that like pick up a gesture and they stick with it for a while. Sure. Um, and like nobody else in your friend group does that gesture. So it's uh, at least amongst your small friend group, it would be an identifying characteristic. So I, I, at that point, it's like there's this identifying semi identifying characteristic and also the fact that it would be a ridiculous coincidence. Sure. With the other layers of info. Yeah. Right. So it's like it's not like that one thing is enough, but. But no, I, I'm I'm I guess I'm it's, with you. It's a little enough bit for the movie. Uh, I'm a me- there's a great like absurd uh, sketch comedy bit that we could do of like you know someone in a car maybe they're driving and they get cut off and the person who cut them off like puts their hand out the window and like waves at them or something mm. and then later on the person who got cut off like sees someone else just like a totally different person like just in out a in public car. in a, maybe not even a different car just out in public like waving at another person <laughs> and they go into like this PTSD rage of like it, they both waved it's the same person who cut me off and then like goes and beats <laughs> him up or a, something even do a flashback of the waves being like pretty different <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> like, it has to be him if it's enough for Jason Statham it's enough for me <laughs> Another thing I wanted to mention, so in the positive thing for this movie, I, there was one moment that was a very well-crafted joke and a very good just kind of like total uh, poking fun at Jason Statham moment. It's the this guy can't grind for shit moment. <laughs> oh, sure. I think there is something that maybe Paul W.S. Anderson is aware of this or maybe he's not when he made this scene, but this scene is kind of genius or that joke is genius. Because it, it starts with, like, you know, maybe not slow-mo, but, like, camera is just lingering on Jason Statham, like, using heavy machinery, a grinder, as we, we realize. Like, sparks are flying. He's in his tank top or whatever. There's muscles, you know. He's ripped. He's Jason Statham. And we just see this establishing shot that's very much just, you know, oh, the gaze at Jason Statham. Like, look how buff this guy is. He's our hero. We know him. He's the mechanic. He can do anything. It's like yeah. that notion of when you see The Rock, you know, doing badass or lifting a billion pounds at the gym in a movie. You're like, oh, because he's a strong man. Like, it, it's visual storytelling and just, like, to the maximum. Jason mm-hmm. Statham goes, like, and runs after some other guy that he has to talk to, whatever the fuck the plot needs to happen. And it, he only does that because one of the guys in his crew, I think Lists, the one with the stutter, says something like, oh, you know, you should go follow him or something like that. Jason Statham ends up leaving. The other guy from the crew comes up, and he says to Lists, as if it was like Lists' intention to get Jason Statham out of here, he goes, good idea, this guy can't grind for shit. <laughs> and it is it is really funny because because of that establishing shot, it's like, oh, look how cool Jason Statham is. Like, he's doing this manly, badass thing. 
and then right. to subvert it with, wow, he's really bad at this, <laughs> is such a neat idea. And that's something that I think when you know we talked a lot about comparing uh, Statham to uh, The Rock, The Rock takes himself so seriously. Like I feel like The Rock in this day and age would not let that joke happen. He'd be like, you can't make fun of me like that. Like, I'm The Rock. I am good at grinding, you know? And <laughs> like Jason Statham's like, yeah, whatever. Make this joke. It's funny. And I think it's a great meta commentary on like the action hero where we get a notion that he's bad at something. <laughs> Uh, I don't. I didn't receive it that way, but that is. I did. I didn't. Uh, what I should say is, like, I didn't spend as much time thinking about the establishing shot and that being like action man establishing shot. Sure. But no, that totally makes sense, and it's pretty funny. Yeah, I, it's it's a great con- and like I said, I I don't know if uh, Paul W S Anderson intended for that or not, but that'll be when you interview him for the fan club. Another question you can ask him. Sure. Um, I I mentioned also it is neat the moment when Statham's driving backwards to shoot at the car. It, it's kind of just like pretty obvious that they can you know if you're thinking of like cars shooting at each other and cool action scenes, what can we do? We'll make something go backwards. The thing that I dislike though is the dialogue leading up to that moment is pretty like ridiculous because it's the whole thing where what the his navigator woman is like there's like. There's a shield power-up or a sword power-up. That is basically what she says. And she's like, you should take the shield power-up. And Statham t- takes the other one. And they're like, the machine guns shoot forward. What's he going to shoot at? And I'm like, well, he's going to go fucking go backwards. Like, are you all stupid? You know? <laughs> like, that's the only option. Well, okay. So they're looking at it from the standpoint of having done this race several times and the fact that it makes sense to use defensive power-ups when you're ahead. So I get that, like, looking at it from the movie critic standpoint, you're like, of course it makes sense he's going to go backwards. But from their perspective, that doesn't make sense in the slightest. I, I, yes, you're, you're absolutely right. But I, I Like, what would make sense from their perspective, maybe, is that he, like, juts off to the left real hard and, like, slams on his brakes and ends up right behind somebody. And, and you know, like, that, like, from the standpoint of, like, doing racing stuff. Sure. Maybe sure. that makes more sense. But, like, him going backwards at those speeds... That doesn't make any sense. He's Jason Statham, though. He can do it all except grind. Um, but but th- this is actually a great example of the of the way we're talking about it, is you are absolutely right. In context, no, no problem. It makes no sense to them. I am more upset with the way the movie decides to have us, like, tell the audience. Like, the dialogue, like, everybody talks about it. Like, the woman's like, you can't do this. And the, even Ian McShane is like, you're in first. Who are you going to shoot at? I, f- I feel like as soon as he gets it, we don't need anybody to talk about it. We understand as a viewer that this is going to happen. Maybe, you know, just have the moment where Herbie, like, take the defensive thing, and he doesn't. Then the audience is smart enough to go, oh, we're going to get a backwards scene. Or even when it happens, it's not going to be too surprising. Like, the dialogue might as well be, like, the woman goes, don't take forward thing. He goes, I take forward thing. But we need backward thing. I make forward thing a backward thing. And I'm like, stop talking about this. I understand it, movie. Economical so I, storytelling. I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I kind of disagree with you. Like, when he when he first takes the guns, like, I was thinking, like, he could shoot out a bridge in front of him and try to, like, make something collapse on people behind him. Like, in an action movie, that's not that far-fetched. Sure. So, like... I didn't think that it was like painstakingly obvious he was going to go backwards because they could have done something else. That being said, in this movie, they were never going to do something else. And the fact that I didn't (laughs) see it coming is, you know, it it is what it is. Like, I just I just didn't think about it from that perspective. But no, I I definitely think that there like there could have been other options. And for them to establish like that was in part how they established that he was out in front. Also, if I remember right. 
Okay. Like it was not clear, I think, from the scenes leading up to that that he was that that there was nobody in front of him. Okay, okay. I it, that's that's that would be a good point. I don't remember that, but yeah, I, I know what you're saying. But Ben, if he didn't do if he did something else, he wouldn't have made the forward thing a backward thing, and that's that's Let's, what makes that scene cool. <laughs> the, uh, I don't know. It, it's pretty cool to to like destabilize a bridge and make it fall on somebody. That's fair. I mean, they do blow open a, a hole in the racetrack to escape from later on. <laughs> right. Yeah. So like, it's not as if they as if destabilizing parts of the racetrack is like. You know, totally of. out of the question. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, like, I definitely when I'm watching this, I'm like, yes, him going backwards is an option that maybe seems like the most obvious. But like, I don't know. Sometimes I get locked in this place where it's like this thing is what it's for. Is for what it's for. And so then I start thinking about like ways you could use it that are maybe not what you would expect, but still using it the way that it's supposed to face. And like, I don't know. Maybe that's like a something that I've developed from playing Magic a lot. It's like okay. this thing. Like this card does what it does, but how can I how can I use that to make a like something else happen? And, and in the event that it's like an offensive card and I need something defensive, is there a way that I can do that? That I can that I can manipulate that to be often or to be defensive, even though it's offensive in nature. And yeah, so I mean I don't know. That's just like the way that I'm thinking about it. Is like how can I manipulate these guns to be to shoot forward and be defensive. Um, yeah. Whereas, you know, he obviously looks at it from a slightly more out of the box of, of how can I make these guns shoot backwards? <laughs> how do I make forward thing a backward thing? Yes. I think with that, with, with this last disagreeance of ours, Ben, things have gotten pretty hostile. So let me say, okay, oh, yeah. co- okay, cocksucker, fuck with me and we'll see who shits on the sidewalk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm pulling that one out now. <laughs> oh man. So if, okay, cocksucker, Fuck with me, and we'll see who shits on the sidewalk. If if I could remember it, uh, the response I would give you would be from the line from Snatch where he says something about uh, while you still have legs, but I, I can't remember the whole line. So. <laughs> sure, sure. What um, in the hell is this line in this movie from The Warden? I'm no, like, that, what the fuck is this? <laughs> it's uh, it's kind of reminds me of like in you know, horrible bosses where they're like, I'll bend her over a barrel and show her the fifty states. Oh yeah. Okay. And somebody's like, that's not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, no, sure it is. Like, I don't. They're just like that back and forth. Um, yeah, it kind of reminds me of that. It's just like a thing that she wanted to say. And, and people just, were like, that's not a real thing that people say. And she was like, it is now. She's like, you I'm know, making like, it a thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I heard that in the movie and I was like, now that's interesting. Okay. I definitely haven't heard that one before. I think that, uh, what's your name? Uh, Joan Allen. See who shits on the sidewalk? Yes. Uh, shits Half on the Half the population sidewalk. of San Francisco? <laughs> ben, you're going to get us S- canceled. San, <laughs> San Francisco or whatever? That you definitely, that's not very woke of you. I think uh, uh, I I'm, think you, I'm, you broke I'm wide awake. Thank you very much. I've had monster recently. <laughs> yeah, but you're not culturally woke. Ben. <laughs> you need you need a cultural monster. Oh, you need an ethical energy drink. Oh, oh we boy. could we could sell that. We could make a bunch of money. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, are you falling asleep during during your meetings? Do you need to get woke? <laughs> um, SJW monster. SJW monsters. There we go. So I. I also, uh, you mentioned it earlier, but I, I wanted to hit it again because I just saw it in my notes. Th- this notion that 
you know, the movie wants us to believe that Jason Statham getting his his wife getting killed and him getting framed is all to get him in this jail for this warden. But you, I think you mentioned earlier, it could have happened faster. It took six months, you know? Yeah. That's part that of the, was... I think, part, the primary reason where I was like, are we supposed to believe that this was all the long game? Because six months is the long game. <laughs> well, it's, it's not clear how often d- the death races happen. Sure. But... They do mention that enough time has passed. So, like, that that was... Oh, I guess that was part of it, is Frankenstein was clearly injured from that race, so yeah, they, our, he like, had to have had enough scene. time to heal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think it's, like, that big of a plot hole, but it, we also don't know, like, how far apart the death races are, so we don't even know how many were missed, but yeah, we do know yeah. en- enough were missed that they, that they say viewership is down. But since each, each death race has three days to it, like, one death race is enough to know that viewership is is uh down yeah, to yeah some that, that's true that's true i think the best evidence we have is that there's a a death race per 300 hundred dollar paycheck so what we say that was three weeks every so, three weeks so you yeah. can always pay your pay your pay for your death race it's a very circular economy work pay death race death race pays you or something because i imagine with all these things going the out of business well i'm imagining if all these things go out of business they might need to start like hiring people for it or something you know well, you know, that, that that's a good point. I guess eventually you're either in the prison or you work for the prison. Yeah, maybe it's that either you get your money and, pot and buy Death Race and keep that cycle going, and if you can't pay for Death Race, you go to jail. <laughs> and then you have to be in the <laughs> and Death Race. And then you're race. in Death Race. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, then, and, well, and then you hope you get a chance to be in the Death Race, because there's only like eight competitors or something, right? Yeah, yeah. They should be like running Death Races 24-7 with how many prisoners they have, apparently. Yeah. Didn't isn't there something early on in the movie that mentions like people are getting tired? Ta- isn't it the opening text is like people are getting tired of the prison games that are currently on? So Death Race is like this new thing, or that like birth Death Race? Yeah, they it, it basically says not that there was like a, a significant amount of prison games, just that they were doing like fights to the death. Yeah, yeah. and the audience, uh, much like the mobs in Rome, wanted more mm-hmm. something like that. They specifically talk about like coliseums and stuff. Um, it's so poetic. It's so it's so literary. <laughs> Paul W. S. Anderson is a genius. <laughs> Saul W. S. Panderson. I'm what? on yours. I'm on your side, Ben. I want to join the fan club. <laughs> um, um, it, it's it's but... yeah. It, it's any other scenes you wanted to highlight because I I feel like there's just a lot of stuff. I was just like my brain was very much like I said glazed over for with all this action. Well, in in a lot of the things that we highlight in movies tend to be like good bits of dialogue, and there's not really any of that in this movie. Other than this, we'll um, see who shits on the sidewalk. I think that might be the only one I have written down. <laughs> sure, um, there is like the the scene where you know his his napalm doesn't work again. Oh yeah, yeah. And he uh, he uses the ejector seat. He's just like, get on my lap, pretty lady. And she's oh, like, yeah. what? And then he uses the ejector seat. To, to launch the napalm and it hits a thing and falls on people behind him. And again, that might that might have been part of why I, I expected the thing with the guns. I don't know if this happens before or after that, where it's like he hits something, in this case directly uh, above him, but to to affect something behind him. Uh, and then he, he you know throws out the uh, the cigarette lighter and luckily uh, yes. successfully lights the napalm on fire. So I mean that, that was kind of interesting from like the action scene standpoint. And then, what? What do you do? You have any idea? Do you remember why at one point she like pokes her head out the top of the uh, the car? 
No, I don't remember. It's probably just because they need to, I don't know, they're like, look who's coming, or something, something generic, right? <laughs> I, I, I feel like there was a specific reason, but I can't remember yeah, it. Yeah, I can't remember either. And then... There is, uh, a, there the is last... a moment with her near the end where she says, uh, I, I wanted to know if you picked up on this, Ben. She, she asked Jason Statham what his real name is. Uh, I think when he said, he, I don't even know his character's name in this movie, uh, Jensen Ames. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, like, there's a moment where she asks him what his real name is, and I totally wanted to him to go, Arthur. And she goes, you don't look like an Arthur. <laughs> 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 I wanted that scene from the mechanic again in this movie. <laughs> nice. The, uh, the last thing, you know, I want to mention, I, I like the idea of dropping the tombstone. Um, oh, yeah, that at- is pretty neat, yeah. Yeah, and one, and they they do that, you know, right out like Frankenstein does it in the first thing that we see. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not like it's saved for a big situation. Oh, and I guess we should probably also mention uh, that the way the Death Diesel dies. Okay, that was a weird sentence. Um, <laughs> they they you know so we mentioned briefly that they they have like the death head things that you go over, and there's there's some amount of of uh, in, inclination or indication that. The enough weight has to pass over these plates or yes. something. Yeah. Uh, so so Tyrese Gibbons and um, <laughs> and Jason Statham, Statham, you know they they pass in front of the Death Diesel and like at the same time go over one of the Death Heads. Yep. And it it pops up the spike wall in front of the Death Diesel, which fucks it up real good. So that that, that is fun. Like that's oh, yeah. a, that's a good yeah. a fun use of uh you know like a teamwork situation where you wouldn't expect teamwork. And there is um, some impressive destruction in the racing scenes, for oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. That that moment with the Death Diesel in particular is a pretty great one. Oh, I, I guess I also want to mention, like, the scene where, like, Tyrese Gibson just, like, th- uh, Gibbons throws out his um, his navigator. Yes. He's like, man, get out of my truck. I did, uh, like, yeah, I did want to talk about the, the, the minor subplot of him, lo- uh, Tyrese, and dealing with uh, his navigators. <laughs> yeah, throwing Dude, that's one angry wall. homo. Yeah. <laughs> I really, really enjoyed that that thing when he right before he kills pushes that navigator out. I love that moment because he's like, you know, oh, there's a there's a sword power up coming up. You know, get the box with the question mark on it, Tyrese, to get a blue shell. You know, like that's that's the dialogue <laughs> in this movie. And then Tyrese drives over it, and, and yeah, Tyrese drives over. Doesn't get it because it, somebody else already got it. And the navigator's like, well, I thought it was lit up. And Tyrese is just like, what do you mean you thought? Get the fuck out of my car. <laughs> It's yeah. it's a very good moment. <laughs> yeah, so so I I definitely uh, enjoyed some some of that. Like I also I guess enjoyed the idea like they they created that situation by saying like Tyrese has male navigators because the audience like got squeamish, uh, and then of course there's that one guy who's like he has male navigators because yep. he's gay. Yep. Uh, and then like we we later get that line like Tyrese is is angry about something. He's like that's one angry homo. <laughs> and like I I thought that shit was pretty funny. Like. As far as you know, uh, bad taste gay jokes go, like that one's pretty funny, and it's not that homophobic. It's obviously not not homophobic at all. But <laughs> I was about to say, it's not very woke of you, Ben. <laughs> uh, but but you know, he's he's not like shitting on him for being gay. He just like mentions yeah. that he's gay when he calls him angry, which which I thought was, you know, pretty pretty woke for the for the time of this movie. <laughs> I don't it, think you get to say what was woke or was not woke. In I, I think at this time we're still we're still getting movies where where they like use the word as a slur. I think that it's in history and we can deny history all we want. Uh, ben, 
Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> I forgot about that. I, for, I forgot about the part where we just get to decide what happened. Yes. So I, I think this, uh, this movie is, is just not woke. Now, back in 2008, we have no idea. We can deny it. <laughs> it actually didn't even exist, right? It, yeah, it didn't. You saw it in theaters? That's, that's a lie. We're going to have to recondition you. <laughs> False, fake, Photoshop. Fake, yeah, fake, fake news from Ben. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to mention. Um, uh, maybe the question, why is Tyrese cutting his face with a razor blade while reading scripture? Do, he, we, do we know? We don't know anything other than he commemorates every kill that way. Okay, I think I totally missed that. <laughs> they, they do say like he, he they, they do say that he uh, every time he gets a kill on the on the track, he adds to his facial scar. Okay. And okay. the the scripture, I'm sure, is like just adding some depth to that nonsense, you know, just like giving it a reason that we don't fully explain. Sure, sure. Trying to make it mysterious or something. Um, well, I mean, m- mysterious, but like, I don't know. People think that religion is weird anyway, so might as well attach this <laughs> sure. weird behavior to religion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. That kind of thing. Um, right on. Yeah, I, I guess it's it's all it's this death race thing, you know. I just wanted a little more of the audience thing, like I said. The car stuff is action and, and just, you know, it's I'm saying decent. You're tainted, man. If you had come I'm into this tainted, movie I know. fresh, <laughs> you, I mean, you might have a better opinion. Uh, not a better, know. a different opinion. <laughs> I, think, I think that that'd be, uh, that'd be, that'd be tough. Uh, this, this still seems like not a movie right up my alley, uh, which is why you're the Paul W.S. Anderson defender. But while we're on the topic of like these other, these, the non-action scenes, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of lists as a character, like giving this stuttering, like giving giving a guy a stutter and stuff like that, and then just making him this character who's like, I know information, and I tell the audience the information. I don't know. I, I feel like people have problems with that yeah. kind of storytelling, but yeah. I I also think that sometimes you have to deliver information, and you can't do like crazy setups to explain every little thing just make it all text on the screen every five minutes is just a block of text (laughs) we have to read you know (laughs) make this make it a silent film where it's just cars and action and then it cuts to just a paragraph we have to read um (laughs) it's like Uh, i just i don't know i think that every once in a while you just have to exposit some things sure i i would have been fun i i understand that and i think i would have i do have an issue with the lisp and the stutter not really a lisp more of a stutter that lists have you seen are you familiar with that actor yeah, he's been in a bunch of stuff. He, uh, I think his name's like Fred Frederick Fred Kohler. Yeah, Fred Kohler. I've seen him in a bunch he, of stuff. Um, he's he one of like, that guys. Yeah. He, well, he's so he's one of he's one of the you know that guys, but he is one of that guys that almost always plays a whiny, pathetic, stuttering character. <laughs> okay, uh, so they were just tapping into his his uh, his wheelhouse. His I guess his wheelhouse. Like yeah. in 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 Grimm, he plays a uh, a person. I don't know if you know the the premise of Grimm, like the 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 one with fairy uh, tale Billy and Mandy. Oh no, okay, not that one. Okay, uh, no, <laughs> the the fairy tale creatures exist, and and only uh, only Grimm's can see them. Only Grimm's and other fairy tale creatures can see them. Okay, the rest the rest familiar. of the time they're like they're like they just look like normal people, uh, but they'll have like moments where they like spaz out, and then the the Grimm characters can see them during those times. Uh, he plays a part rat character in that sh- <laughs> okay, that show. Okay. Uh, in Criminal Minds, he plays a character who's like either his mom or his grandpa or somebody in his life ruins his life and eventually snaps and kills him, and then he sees everybody as them and kills them oh, uh, or tries to kill them. Okay. But he but he's like this very pathetic character where it's like he's been 
his whole life he's, he's been, you know, controlled by this one person. And then he, when he finally snaps, he does a bunch of murders, but he's still like really awkward and pathetic. So that's just like, that is a character that he plays gotcha. very regularly. Okay. Okay. So when I saw him as that character, I'm just like, yeah, that makes sense. Sure. You know? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's just where he was at that time. That That's an interesting career to play that type of role a lot. You yeah. Know? <laughs> the snivelly, whiny character. Uh, but yeah. yeah I, I'm not yeah. sure. I've always wondered about that. And like people who play like ugly characters, like fat characters regularly, it's like, do you, do you feel bad about that characteristic? Sure. Or are you happy that it's making you money? Like, I, I just have never known how to feel for those people. Yeah. Like, are they being, are, are fat people being exploited for the sake of having a fat person in a movie? <laughs> um, like a lot of the fat people, famous fat people have lost a bunch of weight later in their life. So like, Maybe they didn't like it that much. I don't know. Uh, the only opinion on that that isn't radical and extremist is the one to say, uh, yeah, it is making fun of them. And uh, if you think any differently, you have to die. <laughs> so <laughs> check yourself, Ben. I, I did find that in the the three, yes, three se- straight-to-video sequels to this movie – um, yeah. All have lists in them. List is the only character with the oh, same really? actor that shows up for all four of these uh, modern death race movies. Is is he always just called Lists? Like yes. I assume that's a nickname. I, that, that that nickname sticks in whatever the hell the rest other movies are about, which I did not look into. <laughs> um, but there's Death Race. This one. There's Death Race Two. Then there's Death Race Death Race Three: Colon Inferno and Death Race Beyond Anarchy. Those are the those are the four modern Death Race movies. Where from the original, there's Death Race 2000, Death Race 2050. That's uh, that's weird. Do you like it? That's... Do you want to cover them all? Do you want to watch them uh, all? <laughs> I I remember when when Death Race Two came out, uh, and I was like, this is like a movie I'm never gonna watch. Okay, Statham is in uh, none of the other ones. It's Luke that's Goss. Correct, yeah. uh, Luke Goss, a Statham like discount Statham is what he looks like. Uh, they is, get him in it. Is he in all of the other ones? I think so. Does it like make sense that they follow the same character? Maybe. I, like I said, I didn't do a lot. He might not be in Death Race Beyond Anarchy. I think that might be its own but standalone Death thing. Death Race Inferno. Uh, in, I think he's in two and in, in Inferno. <laughs> Inferno. They have to race around a volcano, like in old like Hot Wheels cartoons. Isn't it the Hot Wheels movie they race in, around a volcano or some shit like that? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sounds very Hot Wheels. <laughs> right. Right. Um, the other the other character I wanted to mention because he has this, his scenes are all like out of the races and stuff. But uh, Ian McShane, the great Ian McShane, as coach in this movie, yeah. um, I feel like this is another Paul W S Anderson, like you know, just having to check the boxes of filmmaking. Like, yes, this is an action movie, but you know, you gotta have that kind of heartfelt moment for our main character just to check the box that it exists in this movie. And uh, you know, this version, Death Race version of it is Ian McShane being like, I was up for parole three years ago, but I choose to stay here because I love the death race and I don't know how to assimilate to non-prison life. And I'm like, this is him trying to have his Shawshank Redemption moment, you know? Because that's a big motif of that movie is the um, what the librarian leaves prison and he can't handle it and he kills himself. Um, oh, okay. I, I was like, but that's the only time it really comes up is, is Ian McShane, his coach, being like, ah, I'm in it yeah, for the love of the says, game, you know? He says it the one time, yeah. Yeah, and it just, it seemed to me as very much just checking the box of like, okay, here's our heartfelt character moment for Statham and the, like, his mentor, and, and they just needed to do it. Because that's like a common, you know, idea in these movies. Okay. Uh, I mean, it's reminiscent of like Whistler from Blade. Sure, yeah, yeah, the elder statesman type of thing, you know? Yeah, uh, but... 
the I don't know the thing about him choosing to stay in prison. Um, I definitely thought it was a little goofy. Yes, uh, because oh, yeah. I don't think you just get to choose that you live in prison <laughs> right <laughs> like, i think the only way to do that is to just keep committing more crimes when you're not in prison to get back in prison right no i mean you can commit crimes while you're in prison oh, that, yeah, yeah okay that's, that's what i was getting at I, I don't know if i've told you about this I, i'm sure i've told you about it but it must have been like years ago if i did the show acceptable tv on vh1 one of the earlier things dan Harmon and justin Roiland did which is probably canceled now for justin Roiland. look at that but it was this show where every episode, it was like a 30-minute block on VH1, and every episode would be these five shorts, like five just two-and-a-half-minute like segments, and basically would be of a TV show, you know? They would be like a parody of a TV show. And the structure okay. of the show was like at the end of it every week, like I think the show was on Fridays or something, like people could vote, and the shows in that episode with like the two most votes would get like a continuation. The other threes would get like scrap. Oh, you've mentioned this. Yeah. Is, yeah. is this where Pootie Tang came from or something? Not Pootie Tang. Um, this is like where Mr. Sprinkles came from, which is like an early version of Rick and Morty. Um, okay. and there, there's a, but there's like so many sketches on this that I've, I've brought up, but the one I want to bring up is there was a parody of the show prison break, but it was called, are you ready for this? Ben prison, prison break. And the, <laughs> the idea was that, this guy goes to jail, and so his brother has to go to jail, too, to get in to break him out. Like, the same premise as prison break. But while mm-hmm. the brother is in the process of getting into, the, into prison, the brother commits another crime while in prison. And when in this universe, when you commit crimes in prison, you go to prison prison, which is, <laughs> which is a prison, in, like a smaller prison inside the prison. So then the show is prison prison break, where the brother then has to get into prison prison to break his brother back into regular prison so they can resume the plan to get back into society. <laughs> And that's, that's when you said committing crimes in prison to stay in prison. That's what it made me think of. <laughs> nice. I will have to see if I can find that clip. It's, I'm hoping it's on YouTube, but uh, that, that I always like the, the way it's said is like prison, prison break so they can get back. Like it's pointed that the show is about getting back to prison. <laughs> uh, well, an initial search of. Oh, Prison Prison Break, acceptable TV. Yeah, right on. Okay, nice. (laughs) Each year, one million Americans commit crimes and are sentenced to prison. But the crime doesn't stop there. Prisoners who commit crimes in prison are tried by a special prison court. You're guilty of crimes in prison! If found guilty, they are sentenced to prison prison. A special prison within prison. Meet your new cellmate, your brother, Kevin. What are you doing here? I'm taking you back to prison. This man, Kevin Thompson, was sent to prison. Guilty! I sentence you to prison! Convinced of his brother's innocence, Billy Thompson committed a crime and got caught on purpose. You will go to prison also! So that he could go to prison to help Kevin escape prison. In prison, Billy was caught planning his and his brother's escape from regular prison and was Billy, sent I sentence you to, to prison. 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 So Kevin, the brother who was sentenced to prison in the first place, purposefully committed a crime in prison to get into prison prison, prison, prison. in hopes that the two of them might one day escape prison prison 
back into the surrounding prison, where they can resume planning their escape from regular prison. The explanation of Prison Prison Break will continue after this. Escaping prison prison into regular prison will not be easy for the Thompson brothers, nor for any other prison prisoner. For prison prison is guarded by actual prisoners who take this job seriously. You next! Because the prison prison guards know that if they were ever to allow a prison prisoner to escape back into prison, they would be punished severely by the prison prison warden, the sole arbiter of law in prison prison, who is himself also a prisoner and who would have few misgivings about sending the failed prison prison guards into prison prison prison. But this story is not about prison prison prison. Or prison for that matter. This is the story of one man and that man's brother who dared to plan a daring escape from prison prison back into prison. It's simple. All we have to do is get past that guard. Boy, Kev, you really are new at prison prison, aren't you? Those aren't just guards, those are prisoners. Thinking like a prisoner won't help us. Well then, we'll just have to start thinking like a guard. Acceptable TV was a, a fantastic show. <laughs> it's too bad it's canceled now. What did uh, Justin Rowland do? Like, didn't he beat his housekeeper or something uh yeah we talked about it in some adventure time episode i think um i think he committed uh, uh, he, he got sentenced for starting a death race he committed a death race i'm pretty oh, sure okay yeah that makes sense <laughs> uh late stage capitalism justin roiland is a is a is a death racer <laughs> he uh i think he did a domestic did a domestic yeah he got mad at uh the woman for putting the dishes away so they fall over uh, <laughs> uh, she I didn't think, drive the can opener Rob it's, it's gonna rust, it's gonna rust. <laughs> I think the last thing I wanted to mention as I'm looking through my notes is that uh, uh, I don't like the score of this movie it's very much like generic teen edgelord rock to me like there's just some killer guitar riffs bro you know from like a stoner in his in his room in high school or sure. something yeah, uh, yeah, it yeah. didn't do anything for me <laughs> uh, i can't disagree uh, well and for one you know you know that uh, oddly enough the the score i never really paid that much attention to um despite the fact that i really enjoy music and we've talked about just music before yeah um yeah. but i I don't recall the score hardly at all so yeah i mean then you sit down and watch a movie and you say you're like there's two things does it have a story? That's all I'm going to pay attention to. Is it Paul W.S. Anderson related? He's my favorite <laughs> filmmaker. <laughs> That's right. How did you know? Um, I don't know when we'd ever do another Paul W.S. Anderson movie. I mean, Event Horizon might be the closest one because it's standalone and interesting. But like, I don't ever want to talk about the Resident Evil movies. No. Uh, no, no not Mortal Kombat either. No. He did Alien vs. Predator. I remember that one. Uh, that's him. This will only hurt for a minute. Uh, and, um, and, oh, we did the Pompeii yeah. movie. We could watch him direct a movie about a volcano exploding. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. I don't remember if it's Alien vs. Predator. Or was there a sequel to that movie? Yeah, I think there was Alien vs. Predator Requiem. That was okay, probably I think it was closer Requiem. to the time this came out in 2008. Because Alien vs. Predator was 2004. Yeah, I, I think it was Requiem. There's a scene like in a high school. And like the Predator is putting... 
some kind of blue thing into an alien's mouth and it like melts it down or whatever. Okay. Um, and I, I was just like reminded of this stupid song that me and my friends were singing around that time. And so me and one of my other friends, like in the theater, like looked at each other and started singing it. Uh, and it was the lyrics are this will only hurt for a minute. I'll only stick the head of it in. Okay. I promise I'll never try to come in your mouth. <laughs> it's like it's like a prison rape song or something. Oh, okay. I don't know. Okay. It's it's like I, I don't know where it came from, but one of my friends came across it and we all started singing it. And yeah, so that's what I remember about that movie. That's that's interesting. <laughs> there there you go. That's who I was as a kid. I, I... <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, I, I guess then, as we get near the end of this, uh, before we get to our questions and stuff, if there's nothing else you wanted to highlight, did we find out which one of us shits on the sidewalk? Do you want to take that title? I don't know if this is something we should be vying for. <laughs> you know, to be honest, I I still think it's just somebody in San Francisco. Okay. I also, now that I'm, I'm realizing, I also don't know how she means it. Like, she says, we'll see who shits on the sidewalk. Does she, I think she's saying that because she's about to bust out a bomb or something to kill him. Or whatever happens near the end of the movie, there's oh, some bomb yeah. bomb antics or something like that. Um, yeah, uh, they 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 knock it around like hot potato, and Justin uh, Jason Statham makes a goofy face. It's crazy. Um, but <laughs> does she in that moment? Does she want to be the one who shits on the sidewalk? Is that a good thing, or does she want Statham to shit on the sidewalk? Like, is it a bad thing? Does it depend in in what relation they are to San Francisco and who who we ask? <laughs> well, I can tell you this much. I have no idea. That's all. There's some amount of shitting on sidewalks. <laughs> and we're going to see who does it. Okay, okay. We'll, yeah. we'll have to keep that in our back pocket. That's a good a good phrase. Um, <laughs> is this is this at all related to drop ball is the real question. <laughs> exactly. Is uh, shitting on the sidewalk a code for for dropping the ball? Dropping the ball, maybe. Um, that's, that's interesting. We're, we're have a, we have a lot of things connected right here, Ben. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, uh, if there's nothing else you wanted to highlight about, I guess I did want to ask you. I think you said you you said it with Death Race too, but have you seen the further Inferno or a- Beyond Anarchy? No. no okay. I, I okay. Um, that'll be you know we we said we we're doing remakes and stuff. Let's let's skip that. Let's just finish out the Death <laughs> Race franchise. You know. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Let's just I'm watch standing. these horrible movies that don't even have Jason Statham in it. <laughs> Sounds great. Um, I think I think it comes as no surprise for our question. Cinemati's and late night. I'm going no to both for this. I don't think this is odd. I think this is a Paul W. S. Anderson movie. He's made a type. Uh, even if he doesn't make them, this type of movie is nothing new. This is an, an action movie for sure. Right in Jason Statham's alley for this time in his career, as we've talked about. And it's it's not doing it for me that I want to see this again or show it to somebody as a late night movie. There's nothing real interesting going on here. It's just mindless action. It needs those audience cutaways to give it another dimension that would make it interesting. But I'm going no to both. What do you think for uh, for Statham's Death Race? Um, How many, uh, I don't know, what do you use for ranking Paul W.S. Anderson movies on uh, on your fan club website, you know? I give this four popcorn buckets out of five. I don't know, what do you use to rate, <laughs> rate things in your fan club, man? It's, uh, you keep mispronouncing his name. It's Saul W.S. Panderson. <laughs> He's he's pandering. So let's see. Cinemodity, no. Uh definitely not. Late night, there's probably other things I'm gonna pick. Like, I don't know. If somebody's open to watch Jason say the movie, I'm probably gonna show him Snatch. Okay. That's a that's if a they've good already point. seen yeah. Snatch and Lockstock and Revolver. Revolver uh <laughs> I don't know that I would show people Revolver. They have to see Re- it's it's required reading. Um <laughs> Yeah, if if they've already seen all those movies and they've also seen the Mechanic and Crank, 
And, and I was like, have you seen Death Race? And they were like, no. I'd be like, all right, well, if you like Machanic and Crank, we should watch Death Race. Okay, that, that that's fair. I like that there's a lot of lists to move through before you can come to this one, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, not, it's not only know your audience, it's know what your audience has watched. Yeah, okay, okay, that's fair, that's fair. Uh, maybe Bullets is a good ranking system for your fan club, because Paul W. <laughs> Sanderson has a lot of action and bu- a lot of shooting. Not some, you know, not really in Mortal Kombat or Event Horizon. Um, well, you'll you'll think of some. You'll find a good one because you know you know Paul. Maybe there's something in Paul W. Sanderson's life that you know all about that you can use for ranking ranking um, on on your fan club website. <laughs> uh, I don't think I'm allowed to talk about it. But okay, because I'm not in the fan club. Is that you're saying? Uh, you have uh, no. I, I have a non. There's an, there's an NDA an about NDA. it. <laughs> I'm not allowed to disclose Saul W. S. Panderson's. Stuff. Okay. Stuff. Yes. The, the the legal term for it is stuff. Um, That's right. <laughs> so then, uh, getting to the restaurant, I think this is uh, for snacks and stuff. For the restaurant, particularly, this is one I think we both have in the back of our heads that we're going to have to flesh out. Uh, we're going to need some type of death race in the restaurant, like an actual event. You know, of course, right? Yeah. Okay. Yes. My thought was, the thing I landed on, of course, like I said, we have to bat this around and come up with the best version of it. I think that it should be a death race that people can, like customers, and, and maybe workers, you know, if they want to, they can basically pay to participate in. So it's kind of like, you know, a, a pay-to-play situation. Uh, maybe we'd keep it, you know, limited at eight contestants, eight racers or something like that. Um, mm. But I want to do it on one of those, like, you ever been to, like like, a Dick's Sporting Goods or like a shoe store and they'll have that like mini racetrack, like the oval mini racetrack, like in the store. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, no, I've never seen that. Okay. I've seen it like Dick sporting goods when I was younger, like in oh. a mall and stuff. Are you, are you talking about like for shoes? Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. For okay. shoes. I, like I've you, seen, I've seen it where they have like part of one, but I've never seen a whole one. Okay. I, yeah. I've seen one. That's like a full little oval type of thing. Okay. And I figured we should have that for our contestants to do the death race on. <laughs> like it'd be the a death race on a very a small race? track. Well, so I was thinking it wouldn't be a foot race. We'd give them like I don't know, like little like clown Scooters? bikes or something. Like like I'm thinking <laughs> where like the where like for a full grown person it looks real goofy, like like the tiny pedals and everything, and your knees are up to your chin. Okay, but those with like machine guns and stuff on. <laughs> nice. Like it would still be a true death race. Of course, I don't want to lose that factor of it. Oh, so you're not trying to do the thing, the other types of death races that we mentioned, where you like race to death. No, I want it to be they're going to shoot at each death. other and kill each other. Okay. Yeah. Um. Maybe. Uh, what maybe, about? Uh... Are they going to shoot passerbys and shit? Like just observers. <laughs> Hopefully, I mean, there can be collateral damage. You know. Do they get extra points for that? Absolutely. Well, uh, I'd have to go back into the spreadsheet to dig up what we said for the death race 2000. But now I'm I'm thinking we might be able to just add on to what we had there from the death race and the points of the people in the restaurant. I also like Ben. We should add to our repertoire of things saying like you were mentioning. Oh, another type of a death race is like the race to death type of thing. Mm-hmm. It, it could be one of our mottos, you know. It's like life is the true death race. <laughs> well, I was just thinking, like you know, maybe it's like you sign up for a death race, but you don't know which one you're getting. Oh, okay, like, like a potpourri of death can, races. Like, yeah, yeah. So I feel like for the one where you're like racing to death, we just like put people in a room with a bunch of drugs and and uh, sun lamps. <laughs> yeah, and, and sun lamps definitely. It's like see who who does like the most heroin. But like the the rule is you're not allowed to overdose. You're just like you have to you have to die of like okay quote unquote yeah. natural it's, causes. It's, so it's a race to death, but you can't commit suicide. 
That's right. Can you do suicide by cop? Would that count in our in our death race? <laughs> Has this gotten too dark? <laughs> do we have cops in the restaurant? Uh, only if they like, We probably have police officers, but do we have any that are like employed as police for the restaurant? I don't think so. They'd have to be like off duty, coming just eating at the restaurant type of yeah, thing. Yeah, that's what I expect. That we definitely have some of those. So we we keep that in mind. If they're an off duty cop, we we at least, we tell everybody about them. If they want to commit suicide by cop, they can go bother that cop. <laughs> and hope he, he shoots them. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> um, what was there? So, would is that what you're saying for the restaurant? We should also have these other races, other death yeah. races. Okay, I like that. I like that race two. I, well, I, and I, I definitely um, think it should be random. Like you, you sign up for the race. You don't know what you're getting. Okay. Okay. Uh, is the Grim Reaper going to be somewhere in the restaurant that people can like race toward the Grim Reaper, like the physical Grim Reaper? <laughs> Isn't he already? I know, but I guess we have to know where he is to race to him, or is it an endless race where the contestants just be like, they find, have to go find, find him. death, you know? <laughs> they have to go find him. They don't. They don't know where he is. Um, right on, right on. Uh, the only other thing I had for the restaurant, other than the death race, oh, which, oh and yeah. there's no quitting. Of course, yeah, no quitting, not at all. I guess wouldn't that wouldn't we then have to rule out suicide uh, by cop as well? Isn't that kind of quitting? Uh, I don't know. I think suicide by cop is probably not allowed. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm with you. So if what it has they... suicide in the name. Is, is so what's like what's the what's the speed run strat for this race? Is it do drugs, stand in front heroin. of a sun lamp. Is that it? Can we add anything else? Um, I don't know. I think lots of heroin. Uh. Or uh, <laughs> if you can find if you can find like a diseased rat or something. Unprotected sex. Oh yeah, <laughs> you can. You can probably. <laughs> I don't. I don't think any of those are particularly fast deaths. Um, I I think that you like the best. Your best bet is to find like a bubonic plague rat. Okay, I'm al- I'm also now laughing at the fact that you said find a diseased rat, and my immediate response was unprotected sex <laughs> with the diseased rat. Yeah, yes. I mean it's it's hey it's Damn, a new it's I'm a so, new addition. I'm upset I missed that. It's a new addition to the restaurant. There's new strats. You got to uncover the best way to do it. So uh, right. people are going to try anything. Yeah, I, well I, that's that's true. I don't want to give away too much i want people to figure it out i don't want to shape the meta i should say exactly you want it to be in 30 years there's still easter eggs for people to find (laughs) in the in the that's how much i care about my customers exactly we want them to have a a good clean fun race to death (laughs) the the only the filmy food thing i had is comes from early on in the movie um but I, i would very much like to have an item on the menu called prison oatmeal and it's just oh. oatmeal that we get, like, maybe they didn't, the prison, the nearest to the cinematized restaurant, like, doesn't have, or didn't use up their all their oatmeal, so we get their old oatmeal <laughs> to, to serve as prison oatmeal. Yeah, I mean, that sounds good. It, it, it looks like, it looks like that actually might kill you, so that actually might be the winning <laughs> strat. Oh, that's, just, okay, get, okay. Just get that oatmeal. That, that sounds pretty good. I, I, the, the thing that I was thinking of, like, I'm reminded of, um, do you remember like a freezer pizza brand called Tombstone? Like, is that oh, I don't yeah. know if it's still a thing. Absolutely, I haven't seen it in a while. They used to sell it at the Walgreens near my uh, apartment, and I used to get it because it would be cheap and easy. But then they stopped sure. selling it. Uh, but yeah, Tombstone for sure. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's still a thing. So I, I think we should have on the menu um, like a freezer pizza that you can order, but what you get is actually a steel plate. <laughs> okay, I like incredibly heavy, dense steel plate. You know, okay, right, six inches thick, and and we don't we don't describe it as a tombstone pizza but it's just a freezer pizza like it just okay. is called that okay uh but then I what you would, get uh, yeah actually i like that i would like to serve this this hunk of steel with bullet holes in it 
And when, oh, yeah. when people ask, when the customer asks what it is, be like, it's a pizza, and that's the pepperoni, and you point at the bullets. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we, you know, to come to think of it, we can even source na- like to the tombstones naturally from the death races that we're having. Absolutely, absolutely. Are you saying, uh, are you saying tombstones in the sense of the things that'll be on their car, or the tombstones that they're buried under? Both. Okay. Because <laughs> I was that's like people are people are of course dying in this death race uh, yeah. by definition. Um, uh, well, uh, do we then make if, a if we're doing our jobs right? Yeah. yeah. Do we then make a tombstone like get a tombstone engraved for them just to sell it as a as a frozen <laughs> pizza later? <laughs> I mean, do you know do you know how expensive that would be? Very yes, very expensive. <laughs> so yeah, we should do it. What's that? This <laughs> oh, I think it's curb your enthusiasm where they like Larry. Or Larry's father like uh, has to get a tombstone engraved, and he like does it with like c- like contractions in words and misspellings, and he's like, "Cause they charge me by the letter," or something <laughs> like that, you know. That sounds right. Um, right on. Um, what do you have any other snacks? Because Ben Ben came in here hot before we started recording. Ben was like, "Rob, I have all the snacks. We're doing <laughs> fifty minutes of snacks in this episode." That, uh, that is what I said. So, so what? He, um, and then and you're like, and they're all about Paul W. S. Anderson, who I didn't know about until <laughs> after this moment. Rob is mentioning now in the chronology of things. Uh, but what do you got for your fifty minutes of snacks? <laughs> um, yeah. So what actually happens? I told Rob that I had a snack, which is which is more <laughs> than I normally have. Because uh, I just tend to make up my snacks on the spot. And I actually misheard him because I thought he was talking about snacks for this episode. And he was really saying he just had snacks in his hand at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> right, I did. Uh, and they were good. And I and I, don't, I think we've been recording for longer than, longer I, thought, than... I, I thought you were just going to cut there. You're going to be like, Rob was correct. I have nothing else for the restaurant. The snack I ate was tasty. And then just silence. Well, no, I, I, I thought, you know, I was going to say, like, I think we've been recording for longer than 50 minutes. Uh, so <laughs> I definitely had more than 50 minutes of snacks. Uh, uh, right on. But, right but they on. are gone now. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, well, then, at the end of this, I think, Ben, we should say, uh, of the things that we have to, to wrap up at the end of this, we, we are guests technically not forever, but for a good bit of time. Uh, we are saying goodbye to Jason Statham. We've done all our Stathams we wanted to cover. We even got it. He bled over into this series. We're going to do some uh, remakes and reimaginings. So stay tuned to see what those are going to be. I think those are fun. People can figure out what we what has been remade from things we've covered. Um, But yeah, speaking of Operation Fortune. (laughs) Yes, that's right. They are the same movie. We we did say that. We established that. We um, we we deduced that. I I, may I say. But if you do want to hear us talk about Operation Fortune when it comes out, and uh, definitely want to hear us talk more. Jason Statham, Guy Ritchie, and a whole bunch more stuff, head on over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash cinemodities, uh, where Ben and I uh, rant about uh, all these other things, and I guess Ben is going to make a hard uh, a hard case to do all the other Paul W.S. Anderson movies for his fan club on the Patreon, and so we'll see who he gets to do that with him, because I don't want to watch the Resident <laughs> Evil movies. Uh, but anything you want to say about the Patreon, Ben? <laughs> You know, as much as Rob has stuck to this this Paul W S Anderson joke, uh, Rob is a very committed man, and uh, and that shows in the Patreon. You know, he he will take a joke and just stick with it. And I think that you guys need to you need to come see that for yourself. It's totally worth a watch. Right on, right on. I dig it. Uh, other than that, if um, I guess the so before I I get to uh, this final thing, I have to say we should mention. Uh, I'll switch it around a little bit this time. Uh, how are we going to end? This episode, what are we going to play in reverse? Um, I I don't really. I was just like, oh, the 
music that happens during the ending credits. Maybe that. That's something. Uh, was there any music that stuck out to you that, that you wanted to play in reverse? Or is there, like, do you know a song called Death Race by somebody? No. Okay. No? The Shania Twain doesn't have a Death Race song or anything like that? I mean, I don't know. She might. I didn't, I didn't say if there aren't songs. I just okay. said I don't know what they are. Okay. So, okay. How about this? If there is a song called Death Race by Shania Twain, I'll play that in reverse. <laughs> If not, I will just play the ending credits music from this movie in reverse. Um, so, listeners, get ready. You'll find out in a bit. Uh, but I want to end this by saying now, once again, I don't think, as we mentioned earlier, Ben, you have definitively, or we have definitively, determined who shits on the sidewalk or what that <laughs> means. So I would like to end with a call to action to our cinema audience. Email us, cinemodians at gmail.com. Explain to us who shits on the sidewalk. We need to know. And somebody out there has to know. We can use our platform to crowd, like crowdsource answers to the questions that we really need. We That's, really yeah. need them for. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Um, we do need to know who shits on the sidewalk. Uh, yes, exactly. And so with that, Ben, bye, Jason Statham. Bye, Jason Statham. We will always remember that our schools are Call of Duty, Jason Statham, as you've told us many times. <laughs> <laughs>